All right, welcome back to the Locked On Jaguars podcast and Locked On Bills podcast as it is a special crossover Wednesday edition on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Christopher Thornton. You can find me on Twitter at MrChristopher. And be sure to follow the Locked On Jaguars Twitter handle at Locked On Jaguars. I am joined by Bill Masare from Locked On Bills. Kevin, how you doing? Doing well, man. Thanks for having me on. Really love these crossovers and this uh, pivotal, pivotal week. <laughs> you know, you know, we're getting into the pivotal part of the last six games here. Pivotal for draft position, maybe. Uh, I know, right? It's, it's, it'll be interesting. But uh, Kevin, obviously, you're a part of Lockdown Bills, but be sure to tell everybody right now where they can find your work on Twitter and the Lockdown Bills page. Absolutely. Yep. Follow our Twitter at Lockdown Bills and myself at Kevin Masseri, M-A-S-S-A-R-E, as always. I always, always look forward to interacting on game days. So we go, like you said, into this pivotal Bills-Jaguars uh, matchup here in, in the latter half of the season that uh, both teams are exactly where I'm sure we thought they would be uh, going into the season. The Jaguars at the bottom of the AFC South and the Bills at the bottom of the AFC East. So, uh, Kevin, get, just give me some positives. What are some things that are going well for the Bills right now? Hey, don't you dare put us below the Jets. I mean, that is... Oh, that I'm, is sorry. Bla- I'm sorry. <laughs> that is blasphemous. We have, obviously, in, in the AFC East, we have three teams that are... I mean, the, the Dolphins are sitting there 5-5, five five, but they're, they're no better than these teams we're talking about today or the Jets. I mean, they're they're... They got lucky, some lucky early season wins when Ryan Tannehill was healthy, but that team's not very good. Um, I mean, the Bills are playing great defense. I mean, they they went into the, the week number one rated overall defense and finished after Baltimore Cincinnati game. They finished; they're now second, but now moved up to first in pass D. Um, the team's playing phenomenal defensively. Uh, they they've pretty much stayed in every game um, on the on the defensive side of the ball. Any of these blowouts that you might see, if you check out, hey, let me see what the Bills have done to get to three and seven. The Bills have actually, how about this? They've only played two close games, um, two close games in their, obviously in the first ten. They are both against AFC South opponents. One they should have won in Houston. Um, they were they were beating them the entire game. Nathan Peterman throws a pick six to lose it, and then throws a pick um, as he was trying to go down the field to get into field goal range. Um, it was it was quite miraculous. They they took care of that Houston offense. Should have won that game, and then they actually did win against Tennessee in, in another close game. But outside of those two they've played all blowouts uh either way um the other two bills wins were by 20 plus points and and a lot of their losses are just that their offense hasn't been able to keep up but you will see a better version of this bills offense with josh allen playing as well as we did it with matt barkley playing weird, weirdly enough it was just a nathan peterman Derek anderson um saga wasn't very good so you're gonna see a really good defensive team if their offense isn't you know turning the ball over um in plus or minus territory for them and getting behind in games, you're going to definitely see the defense tee off there. They're pretty good turnovers, sacks, pretty much every stat that that's out there defensively. It, it, it's it's a solid unit. It's it's interesting to watch play. I think they're pretty much built in the same mold as the Jaguars. Yeah, and uh, almost kind of the same way for the Jaguars at this point. The defense is by far still the strong point of this team. And looking at score wise, there is that stretch uh, towards the beginning of this losing streak where they just got blown out by the Chiefs, uh, who. I mean, we just saw on Monday Night Football is probably one of the best offenses in the entire NFL, uh, dropping 51 points against the Rams defense, who is pretty good as well. But uh, that was that was something going in that I knew would be a show uh, for the Jags defense. And they didn't perform as horribly as I thought they would, uh, but Patrick Mahomes was amidst his 
uh, fiery start, and then they went to Dallas and got absolutely blown out. So it's been up and down. The Jaguars, for a while there, were kind of sneakily keeping their defense. But uh, this past week against Pittsburgh, although they lost the game, uh, I won't pin this on the defense. I'll pin it on the offense not being able to do anything for an entire half of football. But uh, we're able to make Big Ben uh, uncomfortable again getting three interceptions against Ben Roethlisberger again. Uh, Jalen Ramsey putting on what might have been one of the best uh, performances of his career uh, against the Steelers and Antonio Brown, who uh, if you go to pro football focus or look at a lot of people, they'll pin the Antonio Brown 78-yard touchdown on Jalen Ramsey. When in effect was not, it was on safety to Sean Gibson, so that kind of skewed the numbers a little bit. But uh, Jalen Ramsey posting his first two interception game against the or of his career against the Steelers. So uh, the defense is kind of coming off probably one of their best performances of the year. So uh, just what the tell what uh, just what America needs is two offenses struggling right now and two defenses that look to be well, kind of surging ahead. If you want the antithesis of the game we just saw in Monday Night Football, you're going to get it here with these two teams. Um, kind of similar to that playoff game, honestly. It's kind of, obviously, I think how anyone would expect this game to go. Um, I, I, I look at it pretty low scoring. I bet the under. Um, both really been playing solid defenses. Obviously, both teams, honestly, are coming off of really good defensive performances. The Bills just absolutely annihilated the Jets, and and that pretty much started on the defensive side of the ball to help the uh, the offensive Bills. <laughs> Where really the, the offense looked as good as ever with Matt Barkley, so I'm not sure what to take from that. Uh, it was really bizarre. No one really expected that. Actually, there was a, I mean, I think the Jets were favored by 10 plus points, uh, and the Bills actually came out looking like a better version. So, and then guess what happens? They go right back to Josh Allen. Um, personally, I think you have a lot of Bills fans that want to play Matt Barkley. Just they're like. Hey, we want to see if we have a QB two. Let's not rush Allen back um, from that UCL injury uh, after a cheap shot by Whitney Merciless. Um, in my opinion, was was a pretty dirty, dirty play. I don't know if you guys have gotten a chance to see it. He pretty much just headbutted the elbow of Josh Allen after a throw that he completed. Actually, a deep throw to Kelvin uh, Benjamin, and just no place for him to to need to, need to make that after two stops and make a headbutt into the elbow of a rookie quarterback. Thought that's what they were protecting. Um, and uh, you have a lot of fans that now are saying i don't know let's just rest him i mean the, the, the team looked as good as possible with matt barkley so so you have that fan base right now saying you know let's ride him out um but you know obviously the the majority and the other half are saying now nah, we have to roll with our rookie quarterback we need him to get as many games as possible so i mean i've noticed and this is something i've seen talked about a lot it was the jags offensive line rotation um you had um, Leslie Frazier on today saying like, hey, we're, we're scheming against the Jags. We don't even know who's going to be in the lineup. Is there anything you can elaborate on that um, from a Jags offensive side of the ball? Uh, well, I can tell you that the O-lineman rotation is not from uh, – I'm, I'm trying to think of the word. They're, they're not doing it because they want to. Uh, the Jags O-line as of late has been decimated with injuries. Uh, they're on their fourth string left tackle and Eric Flowers who they got uh, off waivers from the Giants who we all know was stellar but he hasn't played horribly for Jacksonville he's an improvement over uh, Josh Walker who is letting up about nine pressures a game uh, they have starter Andrew Norwell and he's been playing really well this year despite what fans might be saying about him uh, he's been playing well signed that big contract in free agency the Jaguars lost their starting uh, Pro Bowl center Brandon Linder uh, he's out for the year, and Tyler Shatley came in. He played 
pretty awful last week. I believe he had like a a nine. Oh, sorry, he had a six point eight passing grade per PFF. So that might have oh. been the lowest I've ever seen. Uh, AJ Can left last week with a hamst or in last week's game with a hamstring injury. He was replaced, uh, and his replacement wasn't that great either. And then Jeremy Parnell, who one week can look like a top ten tackle in the league, the next bottom of the league. So. Uh, the shuffling of the offensive line definitely isn't uh, due to kind of trying to create mismatches or anything. It's just literally trying to find something that will stick and hopefully <laughs> at least block the and, opposing defensive line. And it's affecting run. You're right. I mean, i am always been a Leonard Fournette fan. Um, I know he takes a little bit of heat for his yards per carry. And, you know, looking at it, I actually watched your game. Steelers, uh, Jags game was on here, and I thought it was an interesting game. Um I still see Leonard Fournette at 28 carries or, or, you know, going pretty, pretty low yards per clip. Can you elaborate on that? Is that still a line run blocking problem or uh, what's going on there? Well, in the first half, uh, it seemed like Leonard was able to find decent success. He had almost all of his yards in the first half. And I was like, okay, the offensive lineman or the offensive line uh, looked by far better in run blocking than it did in pass blocking on the day. That's for sure. Uh, But Leonard Fournette, uh, looked good. He looked like he his old self in the first half, and then the second half, uh, the play calling just never changed. They just kept running these same inside plays, and the Pittsburgh defensive line caught on, and that's when the stuff started happening. That's when the yards per carry and the big plays and uh, whatnot just weren't happening. Uh, so it was really a tale of two halves. Uh, the Jaguars going, I believe it was in a halftime, nine, up 9-0, and then they eventually get a 16 nothing lead, and then just can't muster any offense after that which ends up that losing them the game because they can't chew out the clock and stop the Pittsburgh offense and giving them too many shots at the end because we know Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers offense can thrive when they're down so uh that was definitely disappointing to watch but I think Leonard Fournette looked good if the offensive line can block like they did in the first half I think he has a decent chance for a good success okay okay well I mean that's that's a good insight into uh, his day as it's, you know, kind of tough to tell as we don't you know break down a lot of the Jags footage. It only can go off his 3.4 yards. And um, I know, you know, you, you had a, a roaring Pittsburgh comeback. Um, it's just like they're, you know, they're kind of built in similar mold to New England where it's just like, you know, it's always coming. I'm, I'm sure you feel that way as a Jags fan, right? Uh, covering the team. Did you just feel that was coming or did you think maybe um, Sunday would be different? That is a feeling that Jags fans have never okay. had been able to uh, escape. <laughs> no matter how much this team is up, there's always that, uh, especially with Blake Bortles at quarterback, there's always just that voice in the back of your mind it's like up oh, the it's coming the collapse is coming and sure enough it came so uh it, it was it was kind of heartbreaking because a lot of people thought maybe if they could win this pittsburgh game maybe they can kind of get the ball rolling a little bit maybe try to salvage their team as the afc south is still up for grabs really for any team that goes on a hot streak but as of right now the texans hold the lead but the colts right now man they, they're looking really good definitely so that is uh andrew luck's back and he's really leading that that offensive line I don't think they've let up a quarterback hit in like five games or something like that. So. Yeah, it started with the Bills. Um, honestly, I saw Houston play. I thought the Bills absolutely destroyed them. Should have won if they had to like seriously had, I mean, a quarterback of just like below average play. Um, but they, I mean, they had the worst one ever and effectively had to cut him. The Bills were in a tough spot with Nathan Peterman. It was a guy that they you know decided to move away from. Um, by the time Anderson's up to speed, 
gets a concussion, he's out. Uh, Josh Allen's out with his UCL injury. Matt Barkley's in, should have been brought, you know, Matt Barkley the second, he was released from Cincinnati post his, you know, release from injury uh, IR. They had worked out an IR designation, and once he became available, the Bills jumped right on him. Um, by the time he was up to speed, Nathan Peterman is still sitting around in this locker room just because they don't have a QB2. Um, they needed to have somebody, and of course the guy is like a kiss of death playing behind. Um, you know, It's kind of like Ryan Fitzpatrick to where if the starter's in, he's either going to be bad or hurt, and you know Nathan Peterman kind of carries a little bit of that as well. So he came in and lost the team a, a good portion of games, but Houston did not look like a, a championship winning or at least a division winning team. I still kind of thought that maybe Jacksonville would make a run at that, or our guess now Indianapolis has kind of taken that 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 slot over. Uh, is that kind of how you see your division? You see Indy catching Houston? Um, kind of how do you see that playing? Yeah, actually, uh, I placed money on. <laughs> I placed money about two weeks ago on Indy winning the division because on my bookie they had uh, odds at four at plus fourteen hundred on the Colts winning the division, and I I really like those odds. And right now it's looking like a pretty good bet at the moment. Andrew Luck's looking good. That offensive line. Uh, seems to be keeping him upright, and when you can keep Luck uh, upright in the pocket, he's going to make plays. And the defense, they got some guys like Darius Leonard that are uh, really making plays. But uh, I try, I won't try to talk about the Colts too much on this uh, Bills-Jags game, even though the Colts might be more interesting, really. But uh, tell me a little bit uh, when we come back from the break. We're gonna, I'm gonna kind of ask you some questions about that Bills defense because that that does seem to be the most intriguing part. Uh, for me at the moment for this Bills team. Fellas, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it free. Just $5 shipping. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. All right, Kevin. So I'm um, just looking at some numbers here. And like I said, I don't really get a whole lot of uh, time or I don't really see a whole lot of Bill stuff during the year. But uh, this guy seems to be coming up a lot is in name of Jerry Hughes. Uh, he seems to be graded pretty high on PFF with an 86. Tell me a little bit about Jerry Hughes and what he does well. I mean, he is a guy that PFF absolutely loves. He's commonly in the top 10 every, in every single category. Um, he just racks the pressures. Um, he he generally, depending on the year, he'll rack the sack. He's doing pretty well in that category this year. But teams, uh, he, he honestly leads to a lot of quarterback pressures out of the pocket, um, you know, future picks. I mean, he does a lot for this team. He's one of the best, probably one of the most underrated defensive ends in the league, depending on who you ask. And, you know, he's ringing in about 5.5 sacks right now. So um, 
He's been good. I mean, one one player that's interesting that helps Jerry Hughes out a lot is actually Starla Tugale, who takes a lot of heat for, you know, making a lot of money, um, not recording a ton of um, recording a ton of statistics. But this team, this defense, this defense has been better since they moved on from Darius. Obviously, they made that trade um, and uh, acquired this offseason. Starla Tula and Harrison Phillips uh, in the defensive tackle spot, and they're and they're and they're loaded there, picking up Jordan Phillips as well from Miami. Um, the team's in really good shape there on their front four, um, and when I mean honestly, he's just like always hurt, but when Trent Murphy's playing too, he adds another dynamic pass rusher on the other end who's been pretty good in limited action. Shaq Lawson's coming in too, and they love their their rotation at Yarbrough. So you're gonna have a front four that's very active. They rotate, um, they get after it. I mean, I but I think the best thing you're going to see from this this unit is going to be the the linebacking play. I mean, you're going to have the old Wiley vet and Lorenzo Alexander, who's just literally playing as good as ever. Um, and then you're going to have you know a young budding linebacker and Tremaine Edmonds and just someone that's just been phenomenal for the Bills and Matt Milano at the line weak side linebacker spot, um, who's done everything including coverage down the field. And you know, I mean, he was covering you know Quincy and Nunwa down the field at one point, jumped in front of him, made a nice pick. Um, so you're getting a really good. Really good front seven here in Buffalo that, I mean, just the strength of the team downright. And then, I mean, you're going to plug it in with a really good safety tandem and then a good cornerback one. Really, the Bills' only weakness is CB2. Um, and they really like their nickel cornerback and Taron Johnson, a guy, small school guy, um, who, who came in and played the slot really well for the team. So you're going to have a QB, uh, CB1 and CB3. They'll struggle a little bit at CB2, but they think they have a solution in undrafted free agent from Alabama, former walk-on Levi Wallace, who they really like the play of. But they're not shy to to make moves at the cornerback two spot. They moved away from Philip Gaines. Obviously, they had that weird Vontae Davis retirement at halftime um, that had forced them to play their reserve. And Philip Gaines just caught him and said we didn't like that play and just started playing an undrafted free agent. Um, but that's pretty much their weakness if there is one. And generally, they can get away with it because whoever's playing in the slot is covered by Taron Johnson. And then the Bills will follow someone around with Trey White. So usually it's the third receiver being covered by um, their their second cornerback, and they've gotten away with it. Um, and anytime the Bills are in trouble, it's because their offense turns the ball over in back-to-back scenarios. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, good news for Bills fans is that they are going against Blake Bortles uh, as the opposing quarterback. So you really <laughs> Who have... they love playing <laughs> last year in the playoffs. They enjoyed <laughs> they enjoyed it actually. I think the whole game was was him with Bortles with his legs, right? In that wild card game. That was yep, pretty I much he had I think he had more rushing yards than uh passing yards. I think it was like I mean it was him versus Tyrod running the ball. I think that's what the game turned into. Yeah. Then uh that just kind of shows you what both of these teams can bring no matter what the stage is, whether it be a week uh eleven matchup in Buffalo uh, or in the playoffs in Jacksonville. So uh, that that's definitely interesting. Uh, but going back to Hughes real quick, it, he will be going against Eric Flowers. So that looks like a very favorable matchup for Hughes at the moment. Uh, it will be definitely interesting to see how Flowers can contain a guy like Hughes who, uh, going off your words, sounds like he's almost been a game wrecker, really. So uh, that will definitely be something to look forward to. Uh, as for your cornerback uh, your CB two problem. Uh, the Jaguars really don't have a CB or a wide receiver one, two, three. They all <laughs> just kind of shuffle in and out, and okay. there's really no preference. If I had to pick our wide receiver one at the moment, it would be D.D. Westbrook. He seems to be the guy that's making the most plays this year. 
Uh, Dante Moncrief is hit or miss. So it'll really be interesting to see who the Bills have covering these Jags receivers as they don't really have that defined one or two. The depth chart might have somebody, but uh, looking at the offense, you can't really go through a scripted offense a whole lot with Blake Bortles because sometimes you just can't make those reads. But uh, Tredavious White is definitely a guy that is uh, one of the best at his position, young, uh, is going to be a top corner in the league for a long time. So it'll be really be interesting to see how he does against guys like Dante Moncrief, who's kind of been having a rebound year this year, and uh, D.D. Westbrook, who's in his second year, but is really kind of starting to shine. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what, you know, I will actually be at this game, so I'll, I'll be interested to see the what the Jags offense looks like. And, I mean, I know that might sound funny, um, but I, I actually am interested to see how this game differs from that playoff matchup. I thought Jacksonville had a pretty good script in that game um, to, to do what they could to kind of neutralize anything that the Bills could do. I'm interested to see how this game plays out as a, you know, kind of a reunion with Doug Marone. Um, a guy that actually told Zach about, I don't know where you're going to, I'm going to ask you about this. Um, and I didn't like, I thought he was terrible. Was Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, I know, I don't know where Jags fans or Jags media guys stand with this guy. When he was in Buffalo, I don't think I could have disliked a coordinator more. Um, I know he had his moments last year of being pretty solid. I told Zach it was coming. Where do you kind of stand on, on, on Nathaniel Hackett? Is that someone you soured on, or is it like, no, he's someone we see the light with? Uh, I was calling for both coordinators to be axed in the bye week. So okay. that is kind of where I stand. Uh, I'm a little, I've been a little more lenient with Hackett as of late there's a lot of times that his play calling t- could be better but then I have to remember what quarterback he's chained to and how much sure. that can kind of really limit a guy uh, an offensive coordinator's play call so I've kind of given him a little rope I've almost been tempted to just say uh, get one more quarterback under you uh, maybe don't give him maybe you only give him like a year or two max but maybe give him somebody that's not Blake Bortles and see how he does because when Cody Kessler played for a half this year uh, the offense looked better uh, they were they were calling up more creative plays they were making throws they were moving the ball so it almost seems to be solely on Blake Bortles shoulders at this point which uh, obviously isn't a very good problem to have because uh, they gave him that extension this offseason, which I honestly think he should be gone after this year. You just have to swallow the dead cap, swallow your pride, and just move on because he shouldn't be on this roster next year. But uh, yeah, Nathaniel Hackett's definitely a guy that I'm not like super excited to be about. And if they were to fire him after this week or beyond, I probably wouldn't really shed a tear, to sure. be honest, because I'm just almost at this point just kind of waiting and embracing for change. Okay, no, that's fair enough. And you guys have generally been, maybe I'm speaking for Zach, I'm not sure, been pro-Bortles. Is that something new for you, or is that something you've never been? Going into this year, last year in the playoffs, I was like, okay, it looks like Blake might finally be turning the corner. And then this past offseason, when they signed the extension, uh, I didn't hate it. I was actually, I will say that it's it's a cold take now. Uh, I was a fan. I was a fan of the extension. I thought it looks like he might be finally getting his groove. He's finally hitting that stride. They signed him to a pretty affordable team-friendly deal at the time for the way he was playing. So uh, I was for it. But obviously, as the season has gone on, the problems have become much more apparent, and that he was definitely uh, a lot of people could have told you that he was carried by the defense and run game last year. 
uh, but he seemed to kind of complement it a little bit. This year, it's completely uh, apparent now that he is the root of almost all of the Jaguars' offensive problems. Now, now at 3-7, and seven, why not take an approach? I mean, not that the Bills have done anything great at quarterback. They did find someone, in my opinion, who they could find a quarter or quarterback two in. Why aren't the Jags taking a similar approach kind of looking for their a la Matt Barkley, someone that could be a, Q, a QB2 for them long-term. Like, why not go to Kessler? Uh, that is a question that probably almost every Jags fan is asking themselves week in and week out. Uh, just when Cody Kessler came in a few weeks ago, it was almost like, all right, this is it. The Bortles experience, my experiment might finally be over. We have Cody Kessler coming in, and he looked good. Uh, for mm-hmm. as well as a guy could for really getting his first uh, starter snaps in Jacksonville. And then after Cody Kessler almost leads the team to a comeback win against the Texans, they immediately come out and say Blake Bortles is the starter. And then that week after that, plays horribly. The week after that, plays not very good. There hasn't been really any good play from Blake Bortles. In London, he played he played decent. Uh, but just after that, it's just like you can't do anything on offense with Blake Bortles. And then this week they've already announced him as the starter, which definitely has irked fans. And it wouldn't surprise me if it's causing a rift in the locker room. I said after the Steelers game last week that the Jags defense might boycott if uh, Blake Bortles is named the starter this week. So it would be really interesting to see how the team reacts because I can tell you that tensions are probably very high and uh, it's probably uh, – the trust level within the offense uh, or from the defense to the offense is probably really thin. Yeah, I mean, it's something the Bills actually experienced. Like the the Bills defense, obviously, in a similar boat, you know, being ranked one or two in most categories and having to come out with Nathan Peterman. I think they got to a point where they were going to stop playing football if that guy was trotted out there. And thus, they turned to a guy in Derek Anderson who had been here seven days and then to Matt Barkley, who had been here nine days himself. Um, and they honestly played pretty good underneath those guys, but underneath Peterman, it's almost like this team was like, we just, we're just not going to play football anymore. Like there's no use, like you guys don't care. Um, so I'm interested to see what kind of emotions happen in this game. I think the bills feel like they've corrected some issues. They're pretty healthy, um, which is, which is a good or a bad thing. They're three and seven. Um, they were, they've been decimated at the quarterback position, but pretty good everywhere else in the entire team. I wouldn't say they are coming in with a single other injury, um, at least at this point of note. So you're going to it's it's one of those games where I want to see what Jacksonville, how they look defensively. Is it like Blake Bortles is going to have to come out and play in according to predictions about a 30 degree game um, in really windy Buffalo with probably some form of elements? I'd be shocked if there wasn't. How do you see that going? Do you think you could turn to Kessler? Would this be the game, or would it be post game, or are they just going to ride ride all Bortles to the to the bitter end? Uh, I mean, <laughs> it would be. If anything, the elements and stuff are probably just going to give this Jaguars coaching staff or franchise just another excuse as to why Bortles gets another week, to be honest. Okay. Uh, So we'll probably end up just seeing a ground and pound game from the Jaguars offense like they tried to do this past week, uh, eclipsing, uh, I believe it was almost 200 yards or it might have been over 200 yards rushing. Uh, That's what they try to do. Uh, That's literally their whole philosophy. And now that they have Carlos Hyde in the backfield now, to kind of take a little bit of the weight off Leonard Fournette. It wouldn't surprise me if the Jaguars tried to run the ball 50 times uh, this week between the weather in Buffalo, the wind, and just the struggle with that quarterback. 
Sure. I mean, it's funny. The Bills do really well against big backs. Um, they shut them down, which is something that, they, that, that they're that they very good in. The one position I could see, and I mean, you could speak to this as TJ Yeldon. He's a guy I've always personally liked, so I, I seem to like your running back core. <laughs> I don't love Carlos Hyde, but I do like your other two a lot. I like Leonard Farr, like I mentioned earlier, and I do like TJ Yeldon. I tried to get a try to get you guys to trade him to us at some point last year when it looked like he might be a guy you could move but i'm you know obviously i think he's a pretty good player um they struggle they if they struggle anywhere it's against the it's in the run or it's in the pass game with running backs they can cover the tight end they've done that really well this season um they've done a really good job in receivers i think their quarterback fantasy points allowed are, are really low i think it's bottom of the league um but they struggle against that pass catching running back i mean just obviously Deion lewis one of the best in the biz um at that and as well as can be one of the best in the biz as well as James White um so you know a couple of those names and and TJ Yeldon if they use them so would you think that they would try to do something like that then if they're trying to keep it out of Bortles hands well I mean I would I would hope so TJ Yeldon is probably in his first few years in Jacksonville were rough he had a lot of fumble issues uh just couldn't ever really make it as that RB1 uh, on the ground it was kind of he was kind of drafted right when passing pass catching running backs were becoming a thing uh so the there wasn't really an offense built around him they kind of really just drafted him to be the running back in between the tackles with the pass catching ability but the, at the end towards the end of last year and the beginning of this year he had looked really good uh had cut down on those fumbles uh was catching the ball really well was moving the ball between the tackles really well and then this is where it goes back to Hackett would just stop giving him the ball after like series of success and like in a game maybe the first half he would dominate second half would basically just isolate him and take him out of the game which has been really frustrating so it it'll be interesting to see how they can incorporate Yeldon uh but kind of speaking on Yeldon in the future terms, I think I've often called Yeldon as the consolation prize in free agency this year uh, or this upcoming offseason. Uh, he'll be the consolation to whoever doesn't get Le'Veon Bell. I think he's going to get paid really? this okay. offseason. Uh, Le'Veon obviously beating, being the number one pass catching back uh, the hit free agency this year. But I think Yeldon will be a, a good team's number two on whoever misses out on the Le'Veon sweepstakes. And what's funny about this game, I want to make one final nugget for you guys. The Bills are allowing the least amount of fantasy points to quarterback and receiver, um, and I think tight end might be the fewest, too. I'd have to check on that one. <laughs> no one's going to enjoy this fantasy game at all, right? Like, we're, we've got nothing going on in this. You have two running back ones in McCoy uh, coming off a great game. He's got his stuff figured out finally, and then obviously Fournette's back and healthy, um, who I'm going to imagine they're going to pound the rock, might get might – get, played be be playable in that factor alone so not what everyone wants to see after that monday night game right oh yeah it's gonna like you said the antithesis of uh that monday night game but uh when we come back from this break uh kevin and i will give our final score predictions and any last nuggets that we feel you guys need to know about this riveting uh afc matchup winter is coming and nobody has you prepared like action heat Action Heat makes the world's best battery-heated clothing. Heat on demand at the touch of a button. Control your environment with Action Heat. Action Heat clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panels similar to a heated car seat. They can reach temperatures up to 135 degrees and are powered by rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion batteries that last up to 12 hours on each charge. Action Heat batteries can also be used to recharge your phone and any other gadget while you're wearing them. Perfect for any friend or family on that holiday gift list that might be getting cold uh, a little bit too easily. 
But they're also great for anyone who works outdoors, skiers and snowboarders, or anybody that just loves the outdoors or hates being cold. Action Heat provides toasty warmth and comfort for your entire body, including heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, and even undergarments like heated base layer shirts and long johns. Action Heat is available in men's and women's and have great new styles and models just released for this winter season. Make winter activities more enjoyable with a blast of warmth. Action Heat is the perfect solution to keep you toasty and warm even in the most frigid winter weather. We've got a special deal for our listeners to save 20% off your entire order. Just go to actionheat.com slash locked on to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. That's actionheat.com slash locked on. Or use the promo code locked on at checkout to save 20%. Stay toasty warm while enjoying all your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat. And we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. All right, Kevin, so you're saying the weather's not going to probably be great in Buffalo this week. Both offenses are struggling. Both defenses are playing strongly. Uh, what do you think the score is going to be like in this thing? Okay, what's funny about this is I've officially, um, except last week I predicted, or two weeks ago we had the bye, the Bills to beat the Jets. Prior to that, I think I was over, or I went nine straight picking against the Bills. I didn't like any of their matchups. They played the strongest strength of schedule in the league through that didn't come out of it very good they now have one of the weakest strength of schedules coming up in this last six unfortunately for the team they didn't get through the first stretch this doesn't matter really thought we had something here man i thought that we had some type of small rivalry i know our fan base goes back and forth that was pretty much squashed after a three and seven start by you know by both teams ending any 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 hope in a rematch or any type of wild card implications or any of that that just i think out the window I think just because it's in Buffalo, they do take it, uh, especially, you know, now that they've kind of figured out what to do at quarterback after that Derek Anderson and 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 Nathan Peterman saga, you're going to get at least competent play. Um, Josh Allen's been OK and, and Matt Barkley was good. I, I just I, I'll see. I think it's going to be 17 to 13 uh, Buffalo. And that's only if it's Buffalo. I would actually absolutely flip that score if it was down there in Jacksonville. Yeah, uh, I, I'm going to have to go with the Bills on this one, too. It seems like every week that I pick the Jaguars, they uh, go and disappoint me. This past week, I gave them an edge victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers, gave them a little bit more benefit in the offense column, but the win margin was almost exactly uh, spot on, except it was for the wrong team. So uh, <laughs> they seem to disappoint me week in and week out, but I think uh, the Bills are really going to have that home field advantage being in the cold uh, although nobody really likes to play in the cold, the Bills, I'm sure, are much more accustomed to it than the Jaguars, especially Leonard Fournette, who absolutely hates the cold. That's what so, I've heard. Yeah. Uh, that'll be interesting to see. Maybe he'll run harder so he can get to the bench and get his jacket back on. But uh, I, I, my score prediction is almost similar to yours. Uh, I'm thinking 16-13 in favor of the Bills. Uh, the Bills, I think, are going to either get a bunch of field goals or they might get a few touchdowns and a uh, field goal, maybe miss like an extra point or something due to the wind and something like that. So uh, not expecting a whole lot of offense from both teams, a defensive effort nonetheless, uh, whether it be good defense or just really, really bad offense due to the conditions and just the offense is being bad. So 16-13 uh, in favor of the Bills is my prediction. As much as Jags fans are going to hate saying that, uh, the Jags basically at this point have to prove that they can win a game. Sure. And but I mean, one one nugget and it has nothing to do with anything more than the Bills actually being six and two at home last year. Um, they're, they're a pretty decent home team. Um, they really do. 
something that you know you know Bills fans enjoy that the weather it, it isn't great and you know it isn't a true home field advantage when the players themselves don't have experience in it. Um, but the, something the team does, they practice outside. They're used to the field. Um, they're used to the wind elements. The Bills have a really dynamic kicker and, and really racing another good year in Steven Hauschka. I mean, he can make a field goal from anywhere. It's a bummer that, you know, he's not needed in big spots right now. The team's either blowing them out or getting blown out, um, but he's making all of his kicks. He might be the best Bills beside McCoy, their best offensive weapon. He's a, he's been in a, in a year that's been bad with kickers. You're right. I mean, he could be um, something that, that sets them apart in this, in this game. Um, he's been pretty good. I noticed Josh Lambeau has been all right too, right? Yeah. Josh Lambeau uh, probably has been one of the most consistent kickers in the league the last two years. Well, also. we got a kicker off. Oh yeah. And I'm, I'm sure both kickers absolutely going to be thrilled for the frigid temperatures and high winds in buffalo so uh it'll be interesting to see how they can fare against that i know josh lambo's only field goal miss last year came in a windy cold cleveland game so uh that'll be interesting to see hopefully uh both kickers for our sakes (laughs) perform because we can only have so much misery in a football game but uh I think that'll just about do it for this locked on crossover between the uh, Bills and Jaguars uh, previewing this Sunday's game at Buffalo. Uh, Kevin, thanks for coming on. Uh, Be sure to give one last plug to both fans uh, so the Jaguars know who to follow this week for Bills related stuff. And uh, I'll give you guys my stuff as well. Sure thing. At Locked On Bills and myself at Kevin Masseri. I always enjoy the Jags, man. I always like the the rivalry. I'm just so bummed that it's probably going to die here. Um, but I've I've always enjoyed the friendly banter of how many Bills fans are actually at that playoff game. That's something I, I thoroughly enjoy. I've heard anything from like one to like a hundred thousand. So um, I thoroughly enjoy that banter. So once again, you can find me at Kevin Masseri or at Locked On Bills. Yeah, friendly banter definitely makes stuff better. Uh... Yeah, that's definitely a topic that if depending who you ask, you'll get a completely different answer in Jacksonville. Uh, but you can uh, for any Bills fans that want to find or uh, follow any Jack stuff throughout the week, you can follow myself on Twitter at Misto Christofo. It's kind of a weird handle, so be sure to just look at the uh, Locked On Jaguars page at Locked On Jaguars, and you'll be able to find me in the uh, description. I'm the really long, uh, complicated handle. And uh, be sure to tune in to Jaguars and Bills this Sunday to see uh, maybe anything that we talked about if we were even remotely close. And we'll catch up with you guys later.